Tabernacle. Have you ever heard of that word? If not, you'll be learning about it this week on the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with another great episode for this week's Torah portion. And actually, if you look up the word tabernacle, which is the English translation for the Mishkan, and the Mishkan was God's mobile temple. It was a it was a structure which the Jewish people built and took apart at different stops in the desert on God's command. And it's translated as tabernacle, which comes from the Latin word of tabernaculum. I can't even pronounce that properly, I believe. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, which is tent in Latin. And this week's Parsha is Parsha's Teruma, which talks about the building of the tabernacle of the Mishkan, and, you know, not just um, the building for the Mishkan, but how it's a resting place for the Shechina. And we discuss in the Parsha the building of the, the Aron, the Ark, the cover of the Aron, the Shulchan, which is the table, the menorah, and all its intricacies. We talk about the covers for the table and the actual structure, the building of the tabernacle, how it was built, how it was construction, and its different dimensions. And before we begin, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or would just like to reach out to say hello, or to tell me the source of the word tabernacle, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. The first idea I want to share from this week's Parsha, Parsha's Truma, takes us to the beginning of the Parsha. And the very first verses of the Parsha read as follows. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to the children of Israel and let them take for me a portion from every man whose heart motivates him. You shall take my portion. And the commentaries are very busy with the wordage of the Pasuk, or the verse, where it says, truma. Hashem, God commands Moshe to tell the Jewish people that, they, that the Jewish people should take a portion for me. They should take for me. It would make more sense if we're talking about giving donations, right? Hashem's telling Moshe Rabbeinu, telling Moses to, to get the Jewish people to bring all these gold, silver, different raw materials to be used for the Mishkan. He's having a fundraising drive. It would be more appropriate that instead of the using the word v'yichuli, that you should take for me all these different uh, donations, t'cheles, argaman, t'lashani, sheish, v'yizim, v'oroz elim, adamim, v'oroz t'chashim, atishitim, right, we're talking about gold, silver, copper, turquoise, purple, scarlet wool, linen, goat hair, red dyed ram skins, tachash skins, akakia wood, and, you know, oil, spices, many different raw materials are needed to build a mishkan. It would be, it would make more sense if the Torah would say, let them take, instead of saying, let them take to me, it should say, let them give to me. What's the meaning? What is 
the Torah trying, trying to convey to us about v'yikhuli truma, that you should take, the people should take for me truma. And there's many answers which are given. The first one being Rashi, that he says in Rashi says, on the words v'yikhuli truma, you should take for me a portion, it says lilishmi, meaning that when people give, they should give out of their pure heart. They shouldn't give begrudgingly, that when they're giving a donation to the Mishkan, they should do it out of love for Hashem, that they want to be part of something special and they want to do it. And the lesson, obviously, is that when we give charity, when we give tzedakah, we, we shouldn't give it begrudgingly. We should give it with a happy face. And the, the Talmud tells us, actually, that if you have, there's two sons. One son serves his father, you know, plain food, beans, and he goes to Gan Eden. And the other son serves his father, you know, the, the best food, and he's going to Gehenim. He's going to go to purgatory. And the Talmud explains that the reason why the one who serves his father the simple fare goes to Gan Eden to, to heaven is because he served his father with a happy face. He did it willingly. And the one who served his father the fancy cowboy steak is going to purgatory, is going to Gehenim, is because he did it begrudgingly. And it you know, it really talks to us about our intentions when we do something, and especially when it comes to tzedakah. That's one of the explanations that are given for this, for the wording in the Pusik. There's another beautiful explanation which I saw, which I really wanted to talk about today, and which brings out a beautiful idea. And before I get to this thought, I want to share a story. You know, one time on my trips going back from the United States to Israel, when I learned in yeshiva in Israel, I used to come home for the summer and I used to come home for Pesach, for Passover. And on one of my trips, I can't remember which way it was. I think it was from New York to Tel Aviv. I had a stopover in London. And I remember very clearly that we got off the plane and we had to switch planes and they put us on a bus onto the runway to our next plane and it was like maybe the old-fashioned way of getting onto the plane where they have those stairs from the uh, tarmac up to the to the airplane and on my way to the to the to the next plane for the next leg of our journey I noticed that there was elderly woman and I you know I don't know if she was Jewish or not Jewish and she had a very large suitcase and as she got off the bus I offered her can I help you with your suitcase can I help it, you know, taking it up this big flight of stairs, which leads you right into this aircraft? And she was a little bit hesitant. I guess I was a stranger. You know, it's airport. People have their defenses up. They're traveling. And she didn't really reply to me, you know, yes or no. I saw she was hesitant. So out of my own, you know, inclination, I just picked up the suitcase, carried it up the stairs for her, and left it at the top of the staircase by the aircraft. And that was the end of the story. So I thought. Later in the flight, this lady comes over to me with a British accent and she says, they told me you keep kosher, so I got you this. And she hands me a duty-free bag. And inside the duty-free bag, you know, the it was a, there was about, she bought me a present of whiskey. So the joke I like to say always is, help old ladies get free booze. But no, seriously, the the lesson I took from this and what she was trying to convey to me because 
I wanted to give it back to her. I was trying to tell her. I, I wasn't doing, you know, carrying her suitcase up because I want to get rewarded. I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. She told me a very powerful line, which it really takes us back to this week's Parsha. She said in her British accent, she says, sometimes you need to take in order to give. You know, many times people think of giving as a hard thing to do, right? To separate from our belongings to give charity, right? That's something hard. You work for your money. It's very dear to us. And sometimes it's very challenging for us to separate from that. But when it comes to taking, many times we falsely think that taking is simple. And the truth is, it's really far from that. That taking is also challenging. You know, many people look at accepting help as demeaning. And they rather be miserable than accept help. And they'll even jeopardize their health and their lives not to accept help from others. You know, the Talmud does praise a person who lives a life without having to come on to other people. But it's, it's also critical for a person to, to take the help when it's needed. And to really bring this idea home is that Rabbi Vadimi Bartanura, the commentary on the Mishnah, he says that a person who doesn't have mercy on himself will not be merciful to others. And the idea which I want to bring home today, which t- comes to our Parsha, takes us back to our Parsha, is that our Parsha says, V'yikhuli truma. Take for me a truma, a donation. Take for me. That aside for teaching us that we need to give, we also have to know how to take. And I believe it's tied into each other. That in order to give, you need to take as well. And it's appropriate at times. There's, there's times for everything. There's times to be independent. And there's also times to take help. But in order to be a giver, you need to be a taker as well. There's very few people that can live their lives without taking anything from everybody else. And that's maybe a message that the Torah is telling us that in order to be the proper giver, to, oh, to be the, the giver where we can give with a full heart and, you know, lishma, with not begrudgingly, is when we also learn how to take. It goes together. You know, my sister-in-law, she should be gebenched, is a very smart woman, and she always said to, she said to me once that a relationship that's a one-way relationship is not a healthy relationship. Relationships, for sure healthy ones, have to be two ways. There has to be give and take. And that's what the Parsha is telling us, and I believe it ties into the first that I shared today, that in order to give for God's sake, in order in, in, to learn how to give lishma for the sake of Hashem, with a happy heart, with the pure intentions, we also have to know how to take. Because just as this British lady on the airplane said to me, in order to give, you also have to take. And that's something we can derive from this week's Parsha. A second thought I want to share today with you is regarding the menorah. The Torah tells us in intricate detail how the menorah was designed and how, how it looked. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu is told that to design it out of one solid ingot, which is one solid piece of gold. It had to be made. It couldn't be taken from many parts and put together. And the menorah, there's so many beautiful explanations about the, 
the depth of the menorah, the meaning of the menorah, the fire, and it's not something, and it's the menorah was something that they lit every day in the Beis Hamikdash, and the sages tell us that the menorah represented the oral Torah, the oral tradition, which is divine. It also represented the intellect of a person. How the you know just like the menorah had to be only from the purest oil. And we'll talk about that next week's Parsha when we discuss the oil of the menorah. But only the purest oil could be used for the menorah, which showed this idea that when it comes to our intellect, our minds, we have to be very careful about what goes into our minds. And there's so many beautiful explanations, and the depth of the menorah and beauty of the menorah is just tremendous. But one point I really wanted to talk about today with you, we know that the details of the menorah were intricate. They were flowers, cups, um, and on each part of each stem, there were balls. It was all, you know, it was all together in this shaped from this solid piece of gold. And if you look, you know, maybe if you look online, you could find a picture of the menorah of the temple. Uh, hopefully it'll be an accurate one. And you'll see the intricacy that was put into the work of the menorah. Now, the sages tell us that when Hashem, when God commanded Moshe Rabbeinu to make the menorah, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't picture it, Moshe Rabbeinu. He couldn't picture what he was supposed to be building. And the Medrash Tanchuma brings down that even after describing to Moshe Rabbeinu how the menorah should look, he, Moshe Rabbeinu still couldn't figure it out. He couldn't comprehend it. So God showed him a picture. He envisioned to him the beauty of the menorah, how it was supposed to look, and all its different details. And Moshe Rabbeinu started it, but yet he couldn't complete it. He couldn't do it, even after having this vision of how exactly the menorah would look, and even being described how it should be done, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't complete the menorah. And it's brought down in, in the Talmud and in the Midrashim, that after a certain point, after Moshe Rabbeinu tried, he took the ingot, the piece of gold that was going to be used for the menorah, the solid piece of gold, threw it into the fire, and God miraculously put out a finished menorah. And the question that's asked is, why did God give all these detailed instructions about the menorah? How it should be done, and the be- and the the cups, the flowers, the balls that are you know all engraved onto the the stems of the menorah, and how it should be done, and it should be for one piece, and then even more than that, he showed it to Moshe Rabbeinu a vision of how it should be done. If if it all ended up with Hashem just doing it anyways, why was it necessary for Hashem to go through all the that we have a whole you know paragraph? of the description of how the menorah is built if he made it miraculously anyways in the end of the day? Why was it necessary? And actually in the Pesukim, it's derived that it came out miraculously from the fact that it says, Miksha ta'aseha, hammered out shall be made rather than you shall make. It implies in the wording of the Pesuk in the verse that it was just made. And the question is, is that why do we have to go through this if it was just made, why did God do this to Moshe Rabbeinu? Why did he have this description? And the answer to this, the Gor Aryeh tells us that this is how 
God operates when it comes to miracles. God doesn't just make miracles for any person. And we've discussed this on previous episodes, specifically the episode on Parsha's bow. You can go back there if you haven't heard this episode where we talk about the monumental essay from Nachmanides from the Ramban about God and miracles, specifically belief in God, why he doesn't do miracles, open miracles all the time for every single person. But the Gorarya explains here that this is how God does his miracles for us. That he doesn't just do a miracle for any person, open miracle, but what he does do is that first we have to do our part. And this is something called ishtadlus. We have to do our due diligence. That it's necessary for us to do the, the to go through the actions, to try to do our part, and then give it over to Hashem. So Moshe Rabbeinu, even though he couldn't finish the job and Hashem showed it to him, Hashem, he still threw, had to go through the action of trying to build a menorah. He couldn't just expect Hashem to build it for him. He had to actually try and put his effort into creating this menorah. He tried. He wasn't able to do it. and But Hashem finished the job for him. God finished the job. And really, this is a... Um, fundamental lesson in life. And we see it in other places as well because even by the splitting of the Yamsov, splitting of the sea, first the Jewish people had to go in up to their necks and then the sea split for them. First they had to take an action and then God came in and delivered them with a salvation. And the lesson, I believe, for us, you know, it could be in many areas of our life. And I myself, thinking about this idea, really talks to me personally with different challenges I face. You know, we think to ourselves, like, how come things aren't working out exactly as I planned, exactly as I wanted them to be? And we have to realize that we have to do our part, you know, whether it be, you know, looking for a new job, whether it be, you know, trying to accomplish in our spiritual lives, in observance, a mitzvah, learning, it could be anything. It could be trying to change ourselves to, to become a better person. We have to start that process. We have to take the first step. And to put that due diligence, to do the hishtadlus, to take the actions, to try. And once we do that, Hashem's going to take over and deliver us to give us this full menorah. He's going to help us get the job done. But it's incumbent upon us. We can't expect the open miracle. It's incumbent upon us to 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 take the first step take the hammer and to do the first blow, to take that action, to do the ishtadlus, and God willing, when we do that, Hashem will help us get to the finish line, to help finish our goals, to, to get that job, to overcome that challenge, and we will be better people. With that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomakom with a K at gmail.com. Have a great day.